Good evening. This is the third and final segment of Infusing Kedusha into the Home. The title of tonight is Worth Fighting For. Kedusha is worth fighting for. Two-thirds of Americans say that they somewhat or strongly agree that periodically unplugging or taking a digital detox is important for their mental health. However, only 28% of those who say it's important actually do it. Not surprising. Nearly everyone agrees that texting and driving is a dangerous thing to do. Most people do it anyway. In this particular survey, 98% of people who own phones and cars will tell you that they're aware of the dangers, they understand that driving and texting is something that can endanger their life or the life of others. However, 75% of all drivers admit that they still do it at least periodically. So the, the term addiction is thrown out often. Right? We like to say that we're addicted to coffee, we're addicted to our cell phones, we're addicted to many different things. The reason why that term can be somewhat misleading or even dangerous is that the idea of addiction comes with a connotation that it's something beyond my control. What can I do? I'm addicted. Most things in life, obviously there are real addictions that we struggle with, but a lot is within the realm of Bechira. That if we had a real desire to change something, if there is a rutzo, and if I understood that my life and my, my spirituality, my emotional health, or my marriage was on the line, I would be able to figure out a way to, to curb and diminish this thing, whatever that thing is, that's taking up my, my focus. There's a phrase that Revolba uses, Ha'akshin yatzliach, which means the stubborn person will be successful. Until now, the first two shiurim, we've spoken about the basic idea of Kedusha. Kedusha is a separation, is detaching oneself from gashmias, from indulgence, from the distractions of this world. That's only the first step. That's the surmeira, what we're trying to avoid. And then the real powerful result of that exclusion or separation is a feeling of connection. There's a, there's a bond, there's a kesher. I'm totally involved, it's, it's, it's mole, it's, it's filled with, with meaning, it's rich. That's Kedusha. In order to have that separation that will lead or at least allow us to have a life of real kesher, real connection, there needs to be gavura. We have to have strength. We have to have strength of character. There needs to be a focus on discipline, of being able to hold myself back from that which I either want to do or have the habit of getting involved in. 
that can just take me away from, from the important things in life. Ha'akshin yatzliach, only if we're stubborn, only if we have an azus, a holy feeling of brazenness, can we be victorious in this realm of bringing out that kedusha that's inherent within the neshama and making that part of the culture in our homes and in our communities. You have to have akshonus, you have to have azus, there has to be chutzpah, there has to be a gevura. There's an article going back to the beginning of the secular year 2018. This was sent by Rabbi Stephen Przansky to the members of his shul. He's the rub of Congregation B'nai Yeshurun in Tinek. And he spoke about their new cell phone policy in shul. I'll just share with you a couple of lines here. He writes that the secular new year gives the opportunity for us to deal with one of the blessings, but also the great challenges of our time, that unfortunately intrudes on our davening with a persistence, an ongoing disturbance within the davening. Rarely there is a weekday davening without a steady chorus of pings, dings, and rings informing bearers of those instruments that someone in the world outside desires their attention and now. Effective immediately in the new year, the entry of cell phones into the shul is banned. So he came out very strong and said, there is absolutely no cell phones allowed in the shul. Obviously, there are exceptions for people in the medical field or if there's a need to carry for, uh, for emergencies. But generally, they have no place in shul. He writes towards the end of this uh, email, it's already well known that the mere presence of a phone serves to distract both holders and anyone who sees or hears it. It's interesting, when we spoke about the topic years ago, the truth is, as the community, after the, uh, the massacre in, uh, in the shul in Eretz Yisrael, where people were brutally murdered during davening in Harnov, so one Kabbalah that we accepted upon ourselves was to be very, very careful with cell phone usage in shul. The, the Kedusha that we try to cultivate in a base Knesset is something that does not come automatically. It needs to be a focus. There needs to be a Gevura where we're pushing ourselves a little bit to do things we're not comfortable with. It's not easy for anyone who owns a phone to take it out of their pocket and leave it in the car or leave it at home. Now, people can look at this and make fun of the addiction, but there's a reality to that feeling. A person going without his or her cell phone does feel like, like they're lacking something that they're disconnected. In order to create Kedusha, or to cultivate Kedusha, there needs to be that strength where we're able to say, that's okay. I'm willing to walk into this space and not have my phone on me. So somebody asked the question, I really enjoy davening from my phone. I have an app, 
And I happen to like that better than a regular sitter. It's clear. It has light in the background. I just enjoy it. It's a better davening. Are we going to be so excessive right, to the point where the goal is not to have any phone usage during the time of davening, even if I'm using my, my phone for my siddur? And the answer is yes, we're going to be that extreme because it's a distraction. I'm seeing you on your phone. The phone is not something when it's out and it's being used, it's not something that feels right in the base Knesses. You know, the, uh, the Chafetz Chaim speaks about the idea of learning during the Chazar Hashatz, during the repetition of Shmon Esrei. The Mishnah Bura writes in Kuf Chav Dalet that one should not learn during Chazar Hashatz, and even if one can uh, be mechavein to the end of the bracha and respond Amen, I still shouldn't be learning. Why not? I'm listening to the main point of the repetition. So the Chafetz Chaim says, because other people will see me learning, and, and it creates a feeling of not really paying attention to the davening, and they're going to start schmoozing. So this awareness of what I'm doing, my subtlety, can make a major impact on those around me. That's true in a base kinesis, and that's true at home. All of those nuances of how we speak, on what we speak about, on how we interact with each other, that creates the culture in our home. Now, the goal here is not to focus on technology alone, not to focus on, on the challenges of a smartphone, but at the same time to be realistic that when we're talking about this first level of Kedusha, of a healthy prisha of separation, to be able to have the kesher and connection to the person that I'm, I'm relating to, or the moment that I'm in, we can't be naive. The cell phones really make it difficult. I got permission from the Gortz family to share this uh, contract. This is going back to the year 1973. And this is a contract that was made up with Rabbi Aaron Gortz and Mishpacha upon the purchase of a new TV. This is before the TV was viewed as something that uh, could be detrimental on many levels. It was exciting. It was a, a way of learning about what's going on outside of your house, if it was news, if it was watching a, a show. Let's read together just a couple of lines here of this contract. Whereas it is a devar yadua, it is a known thing, that TV can be a tremendous waste of time, an arm of the Satan, and in general a menace, a menace to wholesome creative living. And whereas various members of the family of Rabbi and Mrs. Aaron Gortz, address, location, have in fact become addicted to said Yetzir Hora installed in their home, and whereas all must surely agree that this problematic situation must be corrected for the future, and it goes on to outline the, the contract that everyone in the family signs, how are they going to relate, how are they going to, to manage 
their watching of TV so it doesn't interfere with the amount of sleep that's needed, with dinner time, with healthy uh, conversations, and they all signed on this contract. This is something that I think we can use as a, as a binyan av, as a, uh, a lesson. We have to take distractions seriously, and therefore we have to make bold moves to make sure we're, we're not falling prey to those distractions. Right? We've all been there before, and we all have conversations now and again that we really have to do something about cell phone usage in the house. And for a moment we're inspired, but then I'm expecting an important phone call or an email. It's so difficult to maintain any level of consistency and therefore, to accomplish real precious separation from the distractions becomes almost impossible. So I think emulating in the legacy of the Gortz Mishpacha, this is something we should take very seriously. How can we make a contract? How can we make an agreement within our home? Obviously, husband and wife having real conversations, what they each need, but trying to make practical steps it directed at diminishing those distractions. Rabbi Aaron Feldman, Rosh Hashiva in Baltimore, he writes that Judaism is under attack from many quarters. The most serious attack is the infiltration through various means of the value systems of our host nations into our society. Right now, we have access to, to everything and anything. And it's not just things that are very inappropriate that can be a challenge to avoid, but even people who we, we pretty much agree with. I enjoy listening to his talk show. He, uh, he, he usually nails it on the head. But it's hard to differentiate between kernel and chaff like we spoke about in the Sunday morning shear. Not all of us have that ability. So there are so many ideas and concepts and philosophies that are coming at us in all directions. It's very easy to find ourselves looking religious and doing the, the behaviors of a from Jew, but the way we perceive the world, the way we view ourselves and family life, and, and the Vodas Hashem is very influenced by everything else that's seeping in. Rav Aaron Feldman concludes, he says, Judaism is and always has been a counter-cultural force in human society. As long as we remain steadfast in our own beliefs and values, we will flourish. We must take up the battle to teach fellow Jews that our survival depends upon maintaining our uniqueness as a nation. Right, so just understand there are two distinct but both very important points. How do we accomplish healthy separation from distractions and, and, and the, the gashmias and everything else that's pulling us away from what's meaningful, from what's important? The first step is identifying those things that we're addicted to, that we seem to be distracted by, 
and taking them very seriously, having conversations and starting a dialogue, what can we do to minimize these distractions? And the second point is the realization that in order to have healthy precious, it's not just from physicality. It's what are we exposing ourselves to? What values, what ideas, what concepts? And if I feel that maybe I'm in danger of, of getting too much from foreign influences, how can I diminish that? How can I mitigate that, that hashpah? There's a powerful piece in the Eish Kodesh. Eish Kodesh we quote often from his diary, the Tzav Beziru's, where he speaks about the, the stream, the raging river of public opinion. Let's read together a little bit of the translation here on the top of page 4. Rav Kolonimus Kalmus Shapiro Hashem Yokum Domov writes, As a torrent river surges forth, sweeping with all that lies in its path, penetrating into deep recesses and washing away all buried things, so does the torrent of public opinion sweep along the individual mind. You may not know it, you may even deny it, but you have been brainwashed by common belief. Carried along, perhaps more, perhaps less, you now think along twisted paths. So stay away from the middle of the river. Don't be connected with what people say. But this alone will not protect you, because you cannot completely seclude yourself. We have to interact with the world. We have to engage in society. Who can vouch that your wife or children will not be swept along with the flow? They will then be the open floodgates to bring the floodwaters inside your doors. And who could abstain from breathing the air that carries the germ of public opinion? Thoughts and opinions are beyond time and space and flow from mind to mind in quantum leaps. Nor can you remain static in the torrent river just by standing firm in your place. And the way he writes it is, It's impossible to stay still as the river is going towards you. Whether or not you're able to really swim against the stream, but by fighting, by choosing not to just flow and, and go along with everything else that I'm hearing, that I'm seeing, that I'm observing, that I'm exposed to, by fighting, even if I can't move in the opposite direction, at least I could stand my ground. I could stay in my place without being swept away with public opinion. When we think of being from, of being religious, we don't usually think of needing to fight for our Judaism. Once in a while, we'll have a mikveh hearing at the city council, and we'll get a chance to fight for our Judaism. But generally speaking, Baruch Hashem, we live in a fairly tolerant world, at least a tolerant country. We don't have to work on Shabbos. We have plenty of kosher food available. We don't have to fight so much anymore. 
the problem or the challenge with living in a society where things do come easier is that when there's no need to fight, we sometimes begin to believe that there's nothing worth fighting for. And if we lose that, that gavura, then we will be swept away by the raging stream of public opinion, of whatever, anything else is going on in the world. You tell me what to believe, and I'll believe you. So what can we do proactively? We have a lot to fight against. But obviously, Kedush is not just a Sur Meirah, it's also the Asay Tov. It, it's trying to create those stronger connections, the richness, the opposite of Chilol. What are some practical ideas that we could take with us to infuse more Kedusha into our lives and into our homes? So I'll share one idea. You think about the, the conversations that we have. And even if you have smaller children, but they always pick up on the vibe, on the energy of the tone of the conversation. What's the main focus of the majority that we discuss? That makes such an incredible difference in the whole kedusha, the, the, the avira in the bias. So for example, telling stories about great people. That's something that a Rebbe does in the classroom, you know, maybe at the Shabbos table. But the impact of creating heroes, of, of, of infusing within the, the mindset, the worldview of our home, that we have people we look up to, and we learn about them, and we try to emulate their ways. Creating heroes is one of the most crucial steps in creating a culture of growth and a culture of Kedusha. Who is our Shlomo Zalman Arabach? And our kids going through yeshivas, they, they've heard the name, but to be able to, to learn about him, to tell stories, to become more familiar with their lives, great people, great men, great women, to be able to really use them as the, the guiding lights that we can share freely with our children, with our friends. Stories go a long way because a story more than any content or any idea can capture the mind and create a real vivid sense of connection. <clears throat> the Chassam Sofer, when he speaks about the importance of learning about our Gedolim and speaking about great people and great accomplishments, he writes in the tshuva, L'saper b'sheva chatzadikim hu mitzvah gedola. To speak the praise of great people is a mitzvah gedola. V'od, and furthermore, not only is it a mitzvah for me to share these insights with you, but it's a mitzvah for you to listen. I want to be inspired. I want to hear something. There is so much out there in the media, in the, the main centerpiece of the conversation around the Shabbos table that can be so negative and can be focused on putting people or places or ideas down. Just as much as we're doing that, we have to make sure we have at least equal and hopefully a lot more conversation 
about the amazing things that people are doing. If it's a devotion to Torah, if it's chesed, it doesn't have to only be about Gedoli Yisrael. It could be about people in our own community. It could be something I read online about a school somewhere else in, the, in America, what kind of project they're doing. That goes a long way in creating a culture of Kedusha. Something that's connected to this idea is being able to share emotion openly with family and friends. Now, for some people, that may come easier. For some, that may be more difficult. But when we're able to get emotional about Devarim Shibikadusha, about meaningful things, for sure, when it comes to inspiring children, the difference between saying an idea, saying a Devar Torah, teaching something from Chumash in a very analytical but yet lifeless way, in contrast to sharing the same concept but, but showing the passion, showing your excitement, showing how amazing this is that, that we're deriving this idea from Rashi. In only five words of Rashi, this is what he's telling us. This is a gem. This is something that we could apply every day of our lives. The emotional expression goes so far in, in creating that, that drive or that desire to want to connect. You really believe in it. You're passionate about it. I'm passionate about it. I also believe in it. Without the fight, there's not much passion. Without being able to battle for the Kedusha, we can continue in a pretty lifeless way. But what what will our children see? What will they be exposed to? What kind of Yiddishkeit will be part of their, their life and vitality? Now, when thinking about mitzvos, Shabbos, Tfilin, Mezuzah, Ben Adam Lechavero, we, we hear often that we want to do mitzvos with passion, with a fire. Can I ask you a question? If I'm not doing mitzvos with a passion, and I've been doing mitzvos now for about 40-something years, how do I, how do I change that? Right? I put on a talis every single day of my life. How much fire do I have when I say the bracha and I put on a talis? Right? Someone says, I like candles every Friday before Shabbos. It's a nice thing. I try to daven. How do, I, how do I tweak that? Well, if we hear schmoozing, we hear speeches about, do it with more passion. Do it with more of a feel. Does that help? I mean, maybe while I'm listening to you scream at me, <laughs> maybe it helps a little bit. But ultimately, the only way to have more of a, of a lave infused in, in a mitzvah is if I can appreciate and understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Now, we don't know all the reasons behind mitzvahs, but, but take anything that we do daily. 
picture yourself doing it the way you have been doing it, the way that I have been doing it, and then picture ourselves doing it thinking about a particular chazal or a comment from the Rebbeinu Yonah that, that just breathes life into the mitzvah. I remember seeing there was a whole discussion about a particular community where they weren't able to say Kiddush Levana. And it's, uh, it's in the, the tshuva of the Heshiv Moshe, going back hundreds of years. And the way he describes the, the tsar, the pain of the community, that it's already to the 16th of the month, and we haven't had a chance to say Kiddush Levana because the weather has been cloudy. Every single night we look up, no chance. He says, it was a tsar godol v'noira. The pain was, was unbearable that we didn't have the ability to be makabal avinu shemayim, to receive Hashem, to greet Hashem this particular month. So I remember when I saw that tshuva, I was thinking about it. Right? Let's take men walking out of shul, Motzi Shabbos. And you hear the announcement, right? Kedosh Levana. So, so I think right there, most of us are thinking, yes. Right? Okay, before I get to go home, I'm going to say Kedosh Levana. Okay. Or Hashem, thank you for the opportunity. And then, as you're taking your sitter outside, you hear someone always have that one guy, right? He goes out first, he scouts it out. <laughs> he comes back in and says, there's no Levana. And you're devastated. <laughs> oh! Right? So I, I think if you were to climb into the mind, the psyche of, of most people, there might be a little bit of a subtle sense of relief. Like, okay, okay, fine, we'll, we'll do it later. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I don't mind going home. And then you read this tshuva of a community that was mamish in despair. And you ask, what was different about their Judaism? Why was it they were so disappointed? Most people would probably, well, halachically, there's no chiyuv to say it. If you happen to see it, then you say the bracha. Okay, we, we, weren't, we weren't able to see it. But I think the answer lies in really the way he expresses his emotion. He writes, We were in such pain because we were not able to be makabel penei shechina this month. Meaning, for the Heshiv Moshe, it wasn't just, Kiddush Levana, okay, that's page 290 in the art school, let me go out here, right? Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem. I remember walking home from Yeshiva one time uh, in Queens. It was mamish, freezing winter night. And there was a fellow, not from the Yeshiva, but standing there on the, uh, the courtyard area, bundled up saying Kiddush Levana, and he was just starting. So as I'm walking, I had a few blocks to walk, and I'm bundled up. He tries to catch me for a moment. And I'm trying to figure out what he's saying. And he points to the Shalom Aleichem, wanting me to stay there so he could say Shalom Aleichem to me three times in the Kiddush Levana. I didn't stay there. <laughs> but, 
But because it, the Heshiv Moshe understood that it wasn't just Kiddush Lavana, he had a whole world view of what this mitzvah was and how it was connecting him in a meaningful way to Hashem, the absence of that mitzvah was painful because it's, it's meaningful. So the goal is as follows, right? Tonight we're concluding our three parts on Kedusha. We have a lot to think about. We have to give it some real serious, serious consideration. What are those things taking us away from a healthy separation and make contracts and make agreements and have a real dialogue to try to approach it with gevura? Action Yatzliach, if we have a, a stubborn mentality, we will be successful. And then the next step of once we can remove some of those distractions, how can we bring that, that feel of positive, healthy Torah living into the home? It's speaking about Gedoli Yisrael. It's speaking positively about people that inspire us or chesed or, or projects that are happening in our community or elsewhere. It's, it's, it's feeling and expressing the emotion that's involved with our Judaism. It's trying to convey that as much as we can. And it's, it's, it's finding that passion in the mitzvos. The way we find that passion in the mitzvos is through understanding them better. We have to have the intellectual connection in order to, to sprout forth that real emotional connection. So we're going to work on that next time in Mirza Hashem, but for now, have a wonderful evening. <clears throat>